Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. All right, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here, and I have a very, very very, did I say very? Very, very special what guest very. today. <laughs> a, uh, a very dear friend of mine and colleague and long-standing and up until 2021, long-suffering Melbourne supporter, Mr. James Cumming. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Darren. Great to be talking to you. And yes, uh, 2021 was a big breakthrough for a Melbourne uh, footy club fan. I think 57 years was the drought that the team managed to break. And um, and since they broke the drought, it hasn't stopped raining. Um, so <laughs> That's right. <laughs> for anyone on the you know the east coast of Australia, it's uh, it hasn't stopped raining for three years. So um, it all started with the premiership. It did. It did. Yeah. And uh, hey, but we're not here to talk football. Although we could probably talk for hours on football and the merits of what we did this year and didn't do this year and what next year looks like. But we're here to talk about sales and um, sales My management. Topic. And for a and I will put a disclaimer here. Because you and I have worked together, uh, you and I are colleagues, uh, and I like to think we're also mates. And uh, we've done a bit of work together in various uh, guises over the years. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about sales management and sales leadership. And you've got a very specific and very special, uh, can I say announcement? Is that? Is that? Like- <laughs> yeah, why don't we say that we're, we're, we're launching? We're launching. Uh, you've, got a, you've got a secret to, to, to share. Yeah, we're 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 launching through uh, through your podcast today. It's, uh, <laughs> fantastic, absolutely. Uh, well, we will get to that, but before we do, just for the listeners' sake, um, I love asking every guest on the podcast just to give a little bit of a um, uh, a background in terms of the story of of James. Now, I don't ask anybody else to give the story of James. I'm going to ask you to do that. <laughs> so, nice. a quick a quick synopsis of of your career and what's led you to doing what you're doing today. Well, why, why don't I? Start with what I'm doing today, and then I'll I'll kind of give you the um what what do they like to do in the Marvel? Uh, I'll give you the origin story. So so these days uh, my work uh, uh, with clients uh, is in sort of three principal areas, and while we're talking today is is the, and the thing we have in, in in common is two of the parts of my work are very similar to yours, Darren, which is working uh, working driving sales effectiveness in organisations. Uh, clearly, there's a yeah, to make that stick, uh, there's work we do around sales leadership, which is, I guess, uh, uh, the, the area we're going to dig into a bit more. And then do a lot of work around strategy facilitation with clients and uh, help them essentially uh, work towards uh, a plan on a page for their strategy and increase the likelihood that they can execute on that plan. So, um, and I've been uh, doing that uh, through, my, through my company, JC White & Company, uh, for six years. And but my, I'm, uh, like you, I, I, I got into this field of work because um, my uh, my early career was as a as an account manager and a sales guy, and I, had the, I was fortunate enough to be sort of um, part of a business called AAP Reuters just as the financial markets were deregulating in Australia in the um, 1990s. And uh, we, were, we were putting um, screens on people's desks so they could trade foreign exchange and money markets. And um, it'd be uh, easy to um, say that, that that market went pretty well. So uh, a lot of people thought they were pretty good at sales because they were in a you know, growing market with a really in-demand in product. 
But I, got, I, got, I went okay at that. I got asked to be a sales manager. Uh, I'm, I had a stint in Sydney doing that and really just continued uh, moving through the sales management ranks and, uh, and ended up at the Australian Broadcasting Corporation doing similar thing, selling content you know, around the world, which was fantastic. But I had a happy accident. I hired someone from a, a, a training and consulting business at the time called Rogen. I hired them to come and work with my team at the ABC to help improve the quality of the pitch of the TV programs that we sold to international buyers. Yeah. How could we get the essence of that program in and in, if you had two or three minutes to pitch it? And the work that they did was fantastic. We we blasted our sales targets at uh, through through that year because of that help. And I I kind of looked at that the work that they were doing, and I just said, I think that's the next job I want to do. I, I I think that idea of coaching and training and facilitating is something I could be good at. And so yes. not long after that, I joined Rogen. Uh, I built up a, a pretty good client base. They asked me to become a, a partner and shareholder. Uh, in a, and uh, about five years after that, we managed to sell that business to a, an international um, company called Teletech or T-Tech. Uh, and, I, and I kind of eventually worked my way out of that and, and started working on my own. And that's uh, that's where you find me today, here in uh, here in my place in Richmond in, uh, in Victoria. Wow. And you know what? There's a little bit of similarity there because you brought uh, Rogan in into your organization at the time and thought, hmm, that's interesting. If I look at my journey, because I also, for the listeners' benefit, I also spent some time with um, Rogan SI, not as a not as an employee, but more of a, as an associate. Yeah, it was yeah. you, James, who rang me up one day and said, "Hey, have you ever considered to be an associate?" <laughs> yeah, and, um, and I thought, well, no, I hadn't, but more than happy to have a conversation. And yet, I remember doing the the fifteen minute, I guess, pitch or the stand up facilitation to a group of people in the Melbourne office absolutely shitting myself thinking what are these people <laughs> going to be thinking but uh one thing led to another and then you know we we started doing some work together which is uh which is phenomenal it's been a yeah. it's been a great journey um and we're not i'm not bitter at all the fact that uh t-tech completely destroyed the facilitation arm of um of what we had but anyway that's another story entirely uh look it it, it extraordinary and but not an uncommon story that uh, t-tech acquired uh, the rogan side business globally there was probably uh 70 or 80 consultants around the world. And I, I imagine they thought they were buying um, intellectual property uh, and, a, and a client base. And they didn't really realise what they were really buying was the people. Yeah. And they, they just let the people leave. And yeah. that, that essentially eroded the client base and eventually depleted the IP until really, sadly for them, they, they had nothing. But um, I can tell you that almost everyone who had worked in those, uh, either as associates or, or consultants or partners, are all very happily ploughing their trade out in the market, both uh, here, Hong Kong, Singapore, the UK, the Middle East and, and the Americas, all really, really happy. You know, still doing that kind of work and delivering yeah. amazing things for their clients, just like yeah. you are. And and it's it's phenomenal. I I think everything happens for a reason, and and probably is a bit of a blessing mm. because it created. Even though there was one one door that was closing, there are other doors that were opening up at the same time, and I found that exactly the same thing. So it's been uh, it's been a fun. Hey, we're not we're not we're nowhere near where we want to be, but uh, we're on the journey, which is absolutely awesome. absolutely. So let's let's delve into today because I know you're doing a lot of work with a lot of organisations and and I wanted to talk about your 
can I call it the latest venture? Because I'd, I'd yeah, like to yeah, know the origins that came from this as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, uh, yeah. Well, it's uh, we call it Prime um, and uh, Prime by JC White and Co. And uh, it is. It's my. Uh, it's it probably the culmination of a, a whole whole stack of things. But um, definitely, I saw an opportunity in, in to offer something to my clients that I hadn't formally done before. And uh, the appetite's been fantastic. So yeah, that's uh, that's uh, if, if you like at the uh, the epicenter of this conversation today. It is. And for those of you who are listening, there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of profiling tools out on the marketplace. Uh, just about every organisation has one. But what's interesting about this one that, that James has is uh, it's very rare to have a sales leadership specific profile that enables us as sales leaders to really get a bit of a, a deeper understanding of who we are uh, and what makes us tick in terms of our capabilities around sales leadership. So James, if it's okay, can we just do a bit of a like a high level helicopter view of yeah. what prime is and then we can sort of see how the conversation goes because Absolutely. i have done the report and i was thankful for you to take me through my report and thankfully um it, it was i wasn't as dysfunctional as perhaps others might have thought <laughs> uh look let, let's start with the point you just made there are uh, let's say there are so many profiling tools i'm sure everyone's uh, might maybe done a, a disc profile they may have done a myers-briggs um, so there's lots of lots of tools like like that. There's the um, uh, Clifton Strengths. There's a Gallup one. You know, the, there's lots of things out there. And um, what I saw a lot of in certainly in the profiling tools was it told you quite a lot of, about you. And and I think everyone's had that that sort of aha moment when they've done one of those. But very few of them converted to any kind of action plan. Uh, in my experience, mm-hmm. so a lot of people said, "But we've done DISC, and it was a really great session." And I go, what, what have you done with it? And they go, well, not so much. Yeah. The second thing that I was aware of, there were lots of, there were lots of leadership tools out there. And I'm in fact even accredited to, to run the, the Zynga Folkman extraordinary leader tool. And, and, and it was very strong on, on profiling a leader and building an action plan off the back of it. Yeah. So I guess I kind of had this idea of going, if we could dive more into the personality, if we could think about, leadership but uh, but particularly because of so much of the work I know that you do and that I love doing too is with sales leaders so I sort of go and wonder if there's anything for sales leaders that would be illuminating like doing a disc that would build an action plan like some of the great leadership tools but specifically an action plan for how do I build my sales leadership capability and uh, uh the reason I kind of invested the time and the energy into Prime was because I couldn't find anything that did yeah. that. Yeah. And so that's really the the genesis of how it was born from, a, I guess, a bit of market research and some experience. And the key thing you say there is when you do look at some of the other profiling tools, it's great to give you an insight in terms of your personal style or maybe your behavioural style. Mm-hmm. They, kind of, they kind of stop there. It's, it's almost like, um, to take an analogy from that, it's almost like an organization asking you to come in and do some sales training, thinking that sales training is going to be the, the be all and end all. And once you've done the sales training, you know exactly intrinsically what to do from that. Yeah. So there's no there's no action. There's no key steps that come from that. Well, um, there, there would be lots of people uh, who will engage someone in for sales training because someone's told them you have to engage someone for some sales training. So really all they really want is the training bit. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and I'm sure we've all 
uh, we've all earned some fees out of doing that because that's what somebody wanted. Um, but but what we know is that the lasting impact of a day or two days training in isolation is limited, partly because there's only so much people can absorb in, in a day or two days training. I would suggest that saturation point might be somewhere <laughs> somewhere at lunchtime on the first day. And you've got to wonder how much of what happened on the, the afternoon or the second day really gets through. Uh, but we, um, you know, I've always been really keen to go, well, what, what's the lead into that training? What could we be doing before the training? And definitely what could we could, could we be doing after the, the training to, yeah. to keep it alive? So the people probably thought about their sales. I mean, training is probably a very generic kind of word, but their, their capability development in the sales space as let's say it's more of a four-month project than a two-day training. We've got some work we're doing in the four weeks leading in, and we've got lots of things to do in the in the, uh, uh, the four or five weeks or three months afterwards. Yeah. I was in fact chatting with someone this morning. Uh, she said, I, she, I don't want you to call uh, the project I'm designing for them. She said, I don't want you to call it a project. Um, I want this to become a way of life for our people. And uh, so in in a way, when I was saying, you know, let's make this about four or five month project, she she said, no, too short, too short, too short. I want it to go forever. And no I said, if you would on board yeah, forever, James, and if you would like to pay 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 me fees forever, I'd be happy with that too. (laughs) But having said that, um, similar is with Prime is uh, you you want it to have you want it to have a lasting impact. Uh, for for people so uh, and you know it's really interesting Darren having spoken to lots of people about this a a really common theme came out when I said to people um, do do you have a plan for your people's development over the next year and and uh, and do you have a plan for what you need them to be doing more of and and you know do they have a sales target the answer usually is yes 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 yeah for my sales team I've got, um, there's things I'm working on with them. There's additional activities I need they, to focus on. There's new markets we want to push into and they definitely know their targets. But when I say, so what, and what's on your plan? They go, well, my plan is their plan. So I've got these eight salespeople and they've got, that's, that's what I've got to make happen. So I go, okay, I'll ask again, what's your personal development plan? And I just had a lot of people go, oh, well, I actually really don't have one. And that's not to say that maybe the sales director or the regional sales manager is not doing their job, but but sometimes, um, and you've probably have even seen this when we do a one-on-one review with, with sales managers, there's a lot of talk about the team. There's not yeah. a lot of talk about the sales leader. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to bring the focus back to if we can develop the sales leader that that will complement and I think amplify the impact you can have on your sales team. So that's that's where that idea came from. And it's it's really useful because as you say, there are a lot of sales leaders and good sales leaders who have a, I guess, a servant's heart for want of a better term. So they do try to create an environment where it's all about the development of their people. Mm. And sometimes they are the last person that they think about in terms of looking after themselves or taking care of their own development. But this is the catalyst for them to identify some areas that they're really good at. So we can highlight what their strength zones and genius zones are to continue to work in that, but also start to think about 
And these are not necessarily weaknesses, but there are areas for maybe focus, areas for things that we should be looking at. And if we start to build a muscle around that, not only do we become a better version of ourselves, but by translation to that, it helps us become better communicators and better leaders to our team. Uh, Significant number of people uh, who are in sales leadership roles, Darren, what what was their last role? That was, they were salesperson. That's it. Uh, And probably, and probably a good one. You know, the large, you know, the largest proportion of sales leaders I would work with were in the top 20% of salespeople. But it's, they're two different jobs. 100%. Salesperson 100%. Is, 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 is a really different job from sales leader and it's a whole different set of activities. It's a different set of skills and it's a different set of mindsets. Yeah. And so you get a lot of people going, I, I'm ready for some help to work out how I can become a better sales leader. Yeah. And, and I know that a lot of people will have modelled their sales leadership style on their on their sales manager, and and I <laughs> I know some people go I really love the way uh, she did this and she did that, uh, and I've also got someone who I go I, know, I definitely they wrote the um, what would you call it the don'ts they wrote the <laughs> don'ts list for me. I hated the way he did that, or I hated the way he did that, or she did that. So so a lot of people have. Um, through experience and osmosis have, have built up a, a bit of a, this is how I want to be as a sales leader. I guess with Prime, what we're hoping to do is to codify that and say, if you're this style, if you're this style of person, um, there may be some things that you've adopted that are um, ineffective for you yeah. or that could be enhanced in some way. Yeah. And yeah. maybe we take a little bit of um, the, the ac- a lot of people's learning around sales leadership has been maybe more accidental rather than deliberate. I've actually had a number of conversations and I, I actually did a podcast with uh, John Fung, who's the chief revenue officer of Domain, the, um, the property um, aggregator. Yeah. yeah. And um, he, the title of that, we actually called it the accidental sales leader because that's exactly what. Oh, wow. Doing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we had a great conversation and, and you're so right because often it's very rare to see a sales leader in a sales leadership position who hasn't been a successful salesperson by virtue of the fact most organizations who promote from within actually have to have somebody who's meeting a certain criteria, i.e. the fictional, uh, fictitious top right-hand quadrant of performance and potential. Yeah. That's the only way they get an opportunity. I, I think you're right. and um, uh, But I think there's actually there's uh, that, that quadrant, you know, so the high-potential, high-performing people probably breaks into two categories. The first category is I think there are some people who, who are destined for what I call leadership and some who are destined for championship. Yeah. And occasionally we're, we're trying to force the, the championship people into, into leadership and, uh, and they might actually be better off being left as being the best salesperson in your team. That's it. Uh, pay them accordingly, give them the opportunities to do things that are more challenging or uh, more, de- you know, more demanding or more interesting, but don't, don't, don't put them in a leadership role. Yeah. And the best test of that is if you ask them to do some coaching or some mentoring, let's see if they do it. Yeah. And quite often they don't, they don't do it. Mm. You're asking them to go, oh, could you help this guy out or could you help her out? And, and, and I had this experience too, but they just don't do it. Yeah. So you go to them and say, what, why didn't you do it? And if they can be honest, they'd probably say, because I don't want to. Because, mate, every hour I spend with him or with her 
is an hour less of me being with my customers generating the sort of sales revenue. So I had, I had this epiphany too where I'm going, maybe we should just leave them doing selling. Yeah. The flip side is there are a lot of people who in that stream, who in the other stream, who do want to be leaders. Yeah. And you can see, you can see that, that let's call it small L leadership behaviour turning up all the time. Yeah. They'll, yeah. Uh, they're trying to improve things, modify things. They're, they're great at mentoring. They bring, you don't have to ask them to do it. They want to do it. Yeah. They're taking yeah. people out on calls and doing ride-alongs or yeah. their old four-legged meeting. And, yeah. and uh, you go, they're the, they're the things I want to look for. And, in fact, I'd probably take someone who's good at sales but great at leadership over someone who's great at sales and good at leadership. Yeah, because you you would have seen this as well. There's a lot of great salespeople who have been thrust into sales leadership because of their performance and their reputation and all the all the perceived skill set they might have. And yet, when they get into that leadership position, they can't let go of the sales and, in the process, disintermediate their sales team and condition customers on, well, hey, I'm the I'm the deal maker, I'm the salesperson, I'm the front of center, so yeah. come to me. So the poor account manager sitting there thinking, well, why do you need me then? If you're going to do all the deals, I'll just sit, I'll just hang on to your coattails and I'll just flip the ticket, shall I? So it's, it's interesting. Uh, two things out of that one. The first one is like you can tell a lot about the, the profile of a sales leader through their diary. Yeah. So I would be expecting a sales leader uh, to spend more time doing, uh, you know, some, uh, pipeline you know, reviews, um, uh, doing, you know, work on the strategy, thinking about some tactics that might, you know, serve you in the short term, Um out doing observations, uh, planning and running great sales meetings, and uh, doing coaching, running training. That's what a sales leader's diary should look like. Absolutely. So as soon as I see the the, the diary and it's uh, client meeting, client meeting, client meeting, um, and and sometimes nobody else is there except them. That's it. <laughs> Are you sure you want to be a sales leader? Because your diary looks like you're you're a sales executive, a sales salesperson, and and and. Interestingly, for some people, I think they believe that they should become a sales manager. They're kind of being conditioned to that's the next step. But the reality is they get they get most of their joy from selling. I go, so why not go do that? Yeah. And 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 so then the rub, Darren, and I don't know if you experience this in any of your your career, but the rub is that um, sometimes sales managers get paid more. So the question I think for people sometimes. is if it, if it was. <laughs> If it paid less, would you want to do it? Yeah, yeah. Well, my my experience is, uh, and I found this out the hard way. My my very first gig at, at Optus was, I thought, hey, I love the sales leadership gig. I just that's that's what I want to do. I spent two years before that getting prepared for it, and then when I got there, I realised, hmm, it's not well. It's what I thought it was in terms yeah. of, I guess, the responsibility and the and the opportunity, but. It wasn't necessarily for the money because at the end of the day, whilst I might have had a, a higher base, I certainly didn't have a higher OTE mm, mm. or couldn't set, certainly couldn't make as much as some of the account managers could. And I found that, I found that out very early. Well, I think it's, I, I would argue that, that in some respects, it's a, it's a good thing if it doesn't pay more because then only the people who really want to do the job are going to apply for it. Yeah. Um, and and that might be a nice test of of that. So so you get this thing where uh, that the diary is a really good indicator of whether you're really a sales leader or whether you really want to be a salesperson. And hmm. um, there is one exception to that, which is there are some teams that aren't big enough for you to do 100% sales leadership. 
you've yeah. still got to hold a quota and you've still got some, you know, some clients you look after and you've got to make some sales. Absolutely. But I then go, okay, of the sales leadership time that you've got, how much of it spent doing the things that leaders do? Yeah. yeah. And look, the final way is, it is I always think about this from the, you know, football coach point of view, whether it's rugby or, or, or soccer or, or Aussie rules, but for me to go on the ground and keep trying to make, make the deals, essentially I've got to put one of my team on the bench. Mm. And and I go I, as soon as I'm kind of out there on the ground and trying to you know win the game myself I I, I don't I, I don't think that's the answer because ultimately I've got to try and run the team from behind the fence yeah and get the team to, to deliver those results and so that's for me often I will say to people if you believe you can get your joy from the team delivering success leadership's for you yeah. If you really want to um, uh, play on the field and uh, whether it's in the back line, the midfield or the forward line and, and, and you want to win games, then stay stay directly in sales. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's uh, and I, I always say to people, it's not for everybody. And there are so many examples, and we just talked about this, that people yeah. get into a sales leadership role that they thought they wanted until they realised that what they really wanted was they love the thrill of the hunt. They love the thrill of yeah. being out there doing the thing. And many of them go back and that's okay as well. So what I was going to ask you with this, with Prime, yeah, because uh, we've gone through it, as, as the, I guess, the creator of this, if somebody, if you've got an organisation that gets you to come in and does for a team of sales leaders, this, this Prime sales leadership profile, would that give an indication uh, to the sales directors or the senior leaders to say, maybe, just maybe, we've got a couple of people in our senior sales leadership cohort that perhaps are better placed in an individual contributor role? Look, it's probably more likely that that it works at its best with people who are, are comfortable with the fact that they want to be a sales leader okay. and want to be a better sales leader. And the best indicator that people perhaps aren't suited to sales leadership is comes a little later, Darren, when you uh, when you do the follow-up coaching and you go, so how are you going with your development plan? And they go, yeah, remind me what I agreed to or I, I haven't made any progress on it. Yeah. Um, but the people who build a plan and execute on the plan, you go, you're absolutely in the right space. And even if you haven't, you know, clearly none of us have, but even if you haven't, you know, achieved what you want to achieve as a sales leader yet, um, I think most people uh, uh, agree that there's there's always upside. Yeah. And you know, we, we've all met the people with their arms folded in the training room or in the, you know, um, who, who are going, no, I have, I've, I've actualized, I'm there. Um, you know, <laughs> what a, like Ron no. Burgundy, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a big deal around here, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I know. But you know, one of the things that came back to it really was was that that I I think people I've referenced it a bit before, but people build up their style on the basis of uh, watching other people and adopting or rejecting certain ways of doing things. There'll be a bit of um, you know uh, Myers Briggs or uh, Herman Brain or Disc in it, you know, a bit of personality style. Yeah. Um, some of it will depend on the culture of the organisation, and 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 then and, and then I think some of it's what what your leader's demanding of you. Yeah. And so one of the big um, positioning pieces around Prime was to say we we don't whatever style you are, and there are five of them, whatever style you are, we don't want to we don't want to stop you being that person. Yeah. 
So I'm sure that you've probably been through things like this where someone said, you know, you shouldn't be that, you should be that. So, okay. So what you're telling me is that this personality I've generated over 15 or 20 years is wrong. So we, we, we never say that, that whichever style you are is wrong, only that it, it, it can be enhanced. Mm. But you don't have to change who you are. But yeah. can you, you know, can you be an improved version of that? Which is, uh, which is great to hear because even today there are some, not so much the profile, but sometimes the people who unpack the profile, the way they communicate, they'll do something other than that. They'll basically say, in order for you to be successful in this type of role, you need to become X, Y, Z personality, which kind of goes back to the late 90s where you know I remember doing a Myers-Briggs unpack with somebody and they said, oh, at the time, I was, I was considered to be an IN something it was like an introvert i'm thinking hang on i'm thinking about going into sales now you're telling me that i've got to be an extrovert to be in sales please come on right so we people were kind of pigeonholed yeah i think so and 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 so that idea of you 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 need to you you don't be who you want to be yeah so having said that uh, and I, sh- I sh- you know, uh, for the for the listeners, you know, when I did your debrief, I talked to you about the analogy, and I'll share it with them now. But we we run an analogy, which is that all of us, uh, when it comes to our leadership, it's probably a little bit like when we're in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. If we've got you know a bunch of knives in a drawer or in a knife block or up on one of those magnetic things, is that most often we reach for our favorite knife, and it's the one that feels good in your hand and does most jobs. And I would say that our you know, balanced or our dominant leadership style, particularly when it comes to sales, is like that favourite knife. It's the thing we reach for in most situations with most of our team most of the time. Yeah. And it's because it feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. Except if we stay with the knife analogy, your, your dominant sales leadership style is, you know, is either too, too sharp or, or too long uh, or too short or too heavy or too light for other situations. Yeah. So there are times where it feels comfortable and it works, but there are lots of times where it feels comfortable and it's not working. Mm-hmm. And yet I keep reaching for it and trying yeah. to trying to use it. And I, you know, if you've ever tried to, uh, I don't know, peel an orange with a carving knife, it just it just doesn't doesn't work. So what we've been saying to people is uh, there is some inherent risk in your preferred style. There is also opportunity with the preferred style. And there's a couple of other things that you could be doing to recognize when you might need to reach for a different mm-hmm. knife. Yeah. Yeah. Which is situational. Oh, I, I, yeah. Situational. So um, is it, is it a time in the, in the sales quarter? Or is it how you might be in meetings as opposed to how you might be one-on-one? Um, is it with uh, how you might uh, vary your style with a new starter um, versus someone who's been around for a while? The difference between high performers and underperformers. Mm. Um, how do I manage uh, the more independent people and those who are a bit more dependent? You know, is that this idea that if I only have one style, uh, I'm, there are there are things I'm going to miss or the situations I can't manage as well. Absolutely, which makes it so important, therefore, to have an understanding as a sales leader as to where you are strong. What is your favorite knife in the knife block? Yeah, and exactly. Also, think about okay, where are the, where are the other things I should be considering so that when I do find myself in that situation, at that moment, I can make that assumption or that decision. Hmm, is this knife the best knife for this? No, I'm going to get that one. Okay, once I've got that knife, what are some of the things I need to think about in that situation to get the best outcome for that? 
from that conversation. Yeah, and you've really hit on the the the, the fundamental uh, two fundamental points about Prime. The first is if I said to most people, "What's your dominant style?" They go, <laughs> "I don't know." And you and you kind of touched on it before. Um, some of the profiling tools leave you with something where you go, oh, "Was I I I I and is um, <laughs> I can't remember it." And then even if I did say ENTJ, someone would go, well, what does that mean? They go, I don't know. I think, I think I'm the life of the party, but I want to go home early. And so I was like, That's right. <laughs> how's, how's that going to help you <laughs> on the sales team? Exactly. I don't know. So with Prime, and, I, and I'm, I'm being cagey a bit because the more people know about Prime, the more they may answer the questions in order to uh, get the <laughs> result that they want. But there are five styles, and maybe we, we might we'll talk about one of them, you know, just to, as an example. But well, I was I was going to ask you whether there's any caveats around not revealing the oh, um, the actual no, files. No, no, not, not 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 so much, but but um, I, it's, I would it's not say a knife that, that knife one of them is not a knife thrower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, definitely. Look, we could we could use an example of one which is pretty pretty common. Um, but most people don't know what their style is. Yeah. And therefore, they're probably not aware and haven't thought through where it works at its best, yeah. where it where it might be a risk for them. Um, and because we're kind of comfortable with it, we probably we probably don't think before we use it. Mm. So you said something just earlier, which was was really important, which is, and this is probably and this is probably separate from the coaching is helping people be more aware of when they should pause consider their options and then decide what to do rather than operate on instinct. So back to the knife, most people aren't even thinking, they just reach for it and they start chopping. I think one of the things we're working on is, is being more aware of the situations where you should choose a different knife. Yeah. So this idea of pausing and thinking, uh, you said, you know, consider my options and then decide what I'm going to do. Now you yeah. might still decide to use your favourite knife. Well, but then it's intentional, isn't it? But if something doesn't go right, you might go, okay, that's now a situation I might add to the list of the ones where I might need to consider an alternative approach. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, now, when I when I did mine and then we did the debrief, it was uh, pretty much spot on according to <laughs> what, I, what I think. But what, what really intrigued me yeah. was you had uh, three elements to it. And I'm not, um, hopefully you can sort of talk about this in a, yeah, yeah, in, a, uh, in a sort of a general general sense. You've got you've got the balance, I guess the balanced approach and they're the preferences in terms of your your Correct. five in order. And the, th the thing you're really clear on saying is it's just because you've got number one as being whatever it is, like I'll just say visionary, for example, right? Yeah, well, let's work with that one because that was your one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so Mine was mine was visionary as being number one. Uh, but I had other another four character styles that I could draw upon based on the situation, but it it didn't mean that number five was necessarily the number what five in in the order of preference. It was just I was more of a visionary in most cases on a balanced on a balance all things yeah. being considered, because then you consider well, hang on a second, we've got we've got two other components here. One is the left brain logical side. And the right brain creative side, so that also gives you some preferences in terms of those same same five, exactly. which may or may not be identical to your balanced. So, yeah, can you just can you just maybe expand on that a little bit in terms of what that what that tells us? Yeah, so we we 
in the in the profiling tool, so you you know um, if you if you wanted to do prime, you would go and do a you do a ten question self assessment, and at the moment it's so ninety degrees is just you assessing yourself. Mm. Five of the prompts are what we call left brain prompts, and five are right brain, which you just talked about. The prompts, uh, the prompts on the left brain are much more targeted towards uh, action, task, outcome, and, and probably interrogate the rational side of us. Yeah. And so those those questions that might give you a profile that says, you know, you're you're very much like this when in that mode, action mode. But we also ask five questions that are targeted towards the right brain. So much more the if the left is the rational, right is the emotional. More questions about beliefs and feelings and uh, relationships and people. So what it says is, as you kind of rightly said, is your balance style, balance both left and right, might be visionary. Mm. But that doesn't mean you you don't in, in at times when you're more action oriented, you couldn't be something else. Yeah. Or if you're more in touch with you know what, what you believe in and how you believe in people and so on, is you might have a different style. But on balance, visionary with with your profile, so it gives us people a bit of a sense of I'm not you know it doesn't mean that I I take visionary into every situation, and we also went through your answers mm. and your top choices. Um, I think I think you had answers from every single style. It's just on balance you chose visionary in you know play in first or second place more often than any other style. Yeah. So I like the fact that we're not also pigeonholing people and saying you will you will you you only use that that knife the visionary yeah. knife. And having said that, visionary is a fantastic style. Hmm. And 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 in the coaching, you know, we really really want to reinforce that that any one of those five styles is the basis for extraordinary or exceptional sales leadership. You can be brilliant in all five. But there was a flip side to that, which is only if you do three things. Do you want to ask me what those three things are? James, what are those three things? All right, then, Darren. Um, so, so, and I've kind of hinted at it before. Thing number one is that that I... Th- I is building on strengths. Thing number two is minimizing risk, and thing number three is this: uh, you know, adopting skills and techniques from other people. So let me just dive into that. I always, uh, I always go, you know, how would I want to be remembered when when I get promoted or when I go to work somewhere else? How do I want to be remembered? And I know people talk a lot about you know personal brand, and it maybe comes, you know, people kind of cringe when they hear it. But let's just go with how would you want to be remembered? What, what, what would you want written on the card? Uh, how would you want people talking about you when you're not there? And what we find is that that being good at something probably isn't enough to make that memorable for people, yeah. that you really do need to be exceptional at something. So the first thing we do, uh, and if we were talking to you about being a visionary, is to go, what's the couple of things about being a visionary that, that you want people to you know, say, that is a signature of Darren Mitchell? Mm. That's what we remember of him. That's what we valued in him. That's what really stood out. It doesn't yeah. have to be everything, but that there might be one or two things that you go, I really want to be known for that. Uh, so I, I want to really be known that I'm the person who works and sets inspiring goals for people that leave them feeling motivated and and, uh, uh, and ready to take on a, a really big challenge. Yeah. And you go, 
imagine that being your sales leader, that that was the person who worked with you to set really inspiring goals that then generated energy in you. You go, that's I want to stand for that, right? So that 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 that's one of the first things we talk about is what's a strength you'd like to take to an exceptional level. The second one is a slightly different conversation, but of equal importance, which is every style comes with risks. Just as every knife, there's a situation where it won't, it's not going to do a great job. So what is one of the risks that you would like to at least be aware of and minimize? So maybe this is the day to leave that knife in the rack. Mm. Um, and so we look at some situations and you might go, look, maybe another approach is required, or maybe I've got to find an improvement. So uh, we often talk about, we'll stay with visionary, is that they can often be really excited about the goal and build an inspiring goal and then leave people to come up with how they're going to do it themselves. Right. Because I've, I've, got, I've got no idea how to do this. I've got no no time for the execution of that, uh, of that plan because I've got to go off and do more inspiring. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and the risk is, you know, you've put a whole lot of air in the balloon, but you've just let it, you just let the air go as you go on to the next thing. So imagine that was your weakness and 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 there's a risk. Then what, what we might say is that, that that might be something you need to be aware of and something either you need to fix directly. Mm-hmm. Or in our third area, we often say to people, what's your least preferred style? So back to our analogy, what's the knife you're least likely to take off the, the, the rack and, and use? Because in there, there will be attributes of that style that could be really helpful for you because mm. you you know if you think about it, five styles five different ways of solving a problem five different ways of coaching someone five different ways of leading and you're choosing not to use that very yep. often so we we kind of interrogate that and go is there something you'd like to add to your style that from an, uh, from from another area in the in the in the spectrum and so the combination of, I'm building it of, Basically, the action plan is a couple of strengths to build on, a risk to minimise, and a skill or a technique or an attitude to adopt from another style. And if you came up with a plan that had those maybe four things on it, yeah. a lot of sales directives go, that's 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 fantastic for us. So when we've done this in organisations, what we've been able to land on the desk of the, of the sales director is eight or ten sales leaders who now have their own personal sales leadership development plan for the next six to 12 months that they didn't have before. And there's some flow on effects of that that are really helpful for more senior sales leaders. Brilliant. And uh, it could be, or may not be JC doing the coaching around that, but more likely it's probably people internally because if they've got um, good mentors internally, at least you've got something tangible that the sales leader can work on because you might have some capability within that business who has, for example, a person who you're emulating in terms of some of the characteristics, mm-hmm. that person might have that strength who can now start to be a bit of a buddy and help that person develop a lot quicker because they've got the internal knowledge of the organization and makes it easier. Yeah. So a couple of, I th- we often see a couple of ways, that, well, three ways that this rolls out. Um the ideal way is that your sales leader then spends the rest of the year working with you on on uh, coaching and, mm. and and helping you build on those uh, build that strength, minimize that risk, yeah. and and adopt that skill until maybe we get to the end of the year and you go do this whole thing again and go what's next? Yeah, what's next for me? Yeah, and that would be my, my the perfect solution that someone 
who you report to uh, is 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 passionate enough about your success that they want to work with with you. And now you've got a plan. It's much easier to do than a blank sheet of paper. Absolutely. The second one's also true. Sometimes a mentoring, peer to peer coaching is quite possible. Yep. One of the nice things about when organisations put all their sales leaders through is that we can say, you know. If you're interested in being uh, in uh, in being more decisive, you should be talking to Steve, mm. or you could be you know you could talk to Maria because she's fantastic at that. Yeah, we now have this we have this profile that says I can I can find the people amongst my peer group who excel in the areas where I I could I can improve. Mm. So you might be able to find it, um, but without the profiling, I wouldn't have known to ask. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because it's something that's almost tangible in front of you. Yeah, it's this thing we often call uh, you know, codification, yeah. which is uh, maybe I was thinking it or maybe I had a, a, a fuzzy sort of picture, but now it's written down. I can go, ah, there it is. Yeah. yeah. And look, the final one is sometimes people will ask me to continue that coaching and I'm really happy to do that. Um, it, it It's the least, I think it's the least sustainable because of it, because it, it, costs, it costs a bit of money and, and, yeah. and really your boss should be doing this. Oh, absolutely. But there are other situations where perhaps that person works in a different time zone or they're, um, they're geographically dispersed or uh, you actually don't have one. Maybe you're in a startup. I'm working with a, a colleague in Singapore. She's in a startup. She doesn't, she's it. <laughs> so uh, in that in that area, I'm really happy to fill that, fill that void if people want that. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned before that at the moment, Prime is like a 90-degree assessment. Um, is there plans for this to, uh, I guess, expand and and add like three sixty degree elements to it? Yeah, it's an interesting idea as to what what extra, you know, what extra do we get when we get a different point of view? Um, certainly, the one that um, that jumps out. So there's some benefits and drawbacks of what you've just suggested. Benefit number one is uh, we are we the best judge of of, uh, of ourselves, um, and definitely what, what what's the, uh, there's an expression there that people love, which is uh, we 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 judge others on their actions, but we judge ourselves on our intentions. Yeah. So we're really hard on people who who do things that are you know damaging to us or or create stress for us or whatever it might be. But but when it's us, we go, well, I didn't mean to, you know, I was only trying to help, right? <laughs> My intent was pure. So if we were to do a even a one eighty version of of Prime. Perhaps what would be in um, perhaps what would be in my report would be my intentions. Yeah. Okay. But my my manager might be able to more um, uh, adequately um, describe my outcomes or my actions or my behaviours or the impact. So there would be a benefit there. Having said that, uh, there are other uh, analysis tools that we have, and one of the great risks of the of the even if you go one hundred and eighty, just me and my manager, mm. is that some senior managers leave the provision of feedback to the survey rather than sharing it with me face-to-face. Yeah. And so I read the thing and I I go, wow, I had no idea you felt that way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 
And why didn't you tell me before? You've waited until a survey to... Now, the good news is there are no... There are no... There are no rating scores here. It's not going to say you are a bad coach, yeah, yeah, you know, or you you are uh, you are you know, no good at selling. Right? <laughs> um, so I think on balance, uh, the ability to have a second opinion would be a, a, a fantastic later development for a, a product like this. Uh, definitely to have a second opinion and yeah. and one to balance out. Um, uh, maybe I think I'm this style. Maybe I think I'm a visionary. Uh, 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 but it'd be interesting if my if my manager thought I was something different, and yeah. we can therefore is that does that provide uh, some content for a really great conversation about what my intention is compared to my uh, to my behaviour or my uh, the outcomes I'm creating? Yeah, because a lot of it, and I mean this also presupposes that your manager and, and it goes with every three sixty piece of feedback. You've got to give the opportunity for people who actually can give you a pragmatic, practical um, view, not just, well, I see you once every three months, therefore I, I've got certain uh, a one-dimensional perception of you. So you've got to take everything with a little bit of a grain of, grain of salt in terms of, in terms of that, but it, it can provide a good insight. If you've got a good intention, is my intentions playing out in terms of the perceptions that I'm actually putting out and therefore yeah. the behaviours that I'm demonstrating in the eyes yeah. of others? And um, uh, when we were both associated with Rogan SI, um, our, our um, colleague Corey Middleton had his uh, at least 180-degree survey of, um, of mindset. And he used to assess uh, people's, uh, they would rate themselves on their, on their mindset. So am I resilient? Am I um, uh, focused? Uh, do I, am I good at coping? And, and, of course, most people go, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> And then, and then their colleagues or their manager would go, no, not so good at coping, not so resilient, often distracted by. It. So you get this, like, I think I'm here, but, and what we what it played out is that that uh, it was interesting. It was really the difference between how how I'm thinking, but how it's but how I'm acting. Yeah. And there was often a lot of dissonance there, which is I I, I think I'm I'm coping really well, but but what people are seeing is someone who isn't coping. So that was, but that, that, when those reports came through, that can be quite shocking for people to go, I thought, I, I thought I was this and you're telling me I'm not. Um, with Prime, of course, it won't say that you're good or there's nothing about good or bad. Yeah. It's only that this is how I see you. Yeah. So you might see yourself as a visionary. They might see you as a coach. Yeah. You might go, okay, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives you something to try on though, doesn't it? Uh, it gives you content to talk about. And I want to kind of roll this back to um, this is trying to, it's certainly for sales directors and any of them listening, this is to give you content and good quality content to focus back on the capability of the sales leader yeah. rather than the performance of the sales team. Yeah. yeah. You know, the performance of the sales team is an output. One of the inputs is the, the qualities and the capability and the style of the leader driving mm -hmm. that team. And, you know, we would often talk about how important leverage is in leadership. So one of the pitches, I guess, behind investing in something like this is that, that if I can, as a leader, if I can get better at one thing and, and get that across my team of 10, that's 10 people who benefit from that. Now, if that team, I'm just let me do the maths here. If that team meets with five customers each a week, mm. 
that's 50 customer meetings that have now got the, the improvement running through those meetings. And if they do that for 40 weeks in a year, I'm starting to lose count here, but I'm thinking that's like 2,000 yes. <laughs> client meetings that have been that I've been able to influence through just getting better at one thing myself. That's it. Like, oh, that's that's what I want. Yeah. Now let's compare that against me going to try and go out and win a whole lot of business myself. <laughs> well, if you think you can get to 2,000 meetings. Good luck, sunshine. <laughs> good luck, right? But as a leader, you can. You can be influencing 2,000 meetings a year yeah. I go I, I mean if, if if I was listening to this I'm going I'd love to be able to do that then you know that, that that's you're the right kind of person because leadership is about leverage absolutely and if we can if we can spend some time and get a better understanding of ourselves that will always play out in our team and the results if you focus on the results guess what they will always follow the right behaviors Always get yeah. taken care of. Well, with, um, there was a quote a colleague of mine used to use, which is, uh, your team aren't always listening to you, but they're always watching. Always. And you're right that, that your best your best qualities will be replicated by the team. It's probably also fair to say that your worst qualities will also be replicated by the team. That's right. Um, once again, while we try to zoom in on what are some of the risks of your preferred style and what's the implication of that for the team so is that something you want to um, reduce the risk you may not necessarily become amazing at it but you might want yeah. to just neutralize that yeah. um, and then what's that thing that you could adopt from another style to compensate for it brilliant brilliant so it's about time we get sales leaders to actually start investing in themselves rather than just focusing holus bolus on the activities that the sales team needs to uh put in place to get the number uh yeah i got I, I met someone recently and um, it was fascinating, really, but, but they sort of they were describing the sales team and, and uh, we'll think about whether we could help and said, you know, these two people are, you know, really, really poor at, you know, proactive contact and these these three over here, were, their presentation skills are awful. These the couple over here, they, they don't know how to close or handle objections and, and you know, so my, my, my team are, you know, my team are hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> I said, um, so and they've all they've all got all the I said what, so the only common denominator out there at the moment <laughs> is that when is you it, held up the big is that they all work for you. That's right. <laughs> so what so I said I'd i I could happily come in here and help fix those problems, but she maybe the best place for us to start is with you. And and then when you uh, got better at uh, observing, identifying coaching opportunities and solving those, those um, then, then let's do some training. But if we just do the training and, and you don't know how to embed it and coach it and support it and nurture it, then back where this conversation started, then it's just going to be two days in the training room. That's it. And that's it. To be honest, if that's all you want, I'd probably prefer you talk to somebody else. Yeah. Because the thing with that, James, and you know this better than anybody, that... If, if a sales leader doesn't take responsibility for their own actions and therefore the results that the team are playing out and think that you're going to come in and do two days of training to solve the problem. And when you go, when you go and the results don't actually change, where do you think the sales leader is going to be pointing the finger? I know. I hired Darren Mitchell and nothing happened. There it is. There, and it, is. there it is. So, so, and I think that was the, you know, that was the, 
the major change even in in philosophy for lots of people around what we we do which is uh, we're probably really more in the change business than we are in the training business yeah we're trying to change attitudes we're trying to change behaviors yeah. we're trying to get people to eliminate certain habits and replace them with other habits and we definitely know that there is no way we're going to get next year's sales target with last year's activities last year's capability and last year's uh, mindsets mm. So in that that every business wants more next year than they wanted last year, or they certainly, even if they don't want a bigger revenue number, they're going to want more gross margin or, or yeah. push into another market or whatever it might be, that we've got to keep evolving uh, people's capabilities. But I think sometimes uh, sales leaders are convinced that it's just the sales team that needs to change. And when that happens, the sales leader often does not attend the training. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, increasingly we'd say, unless you're there, I'm, oh, we really shouldn't do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and not because you need sales training. Yeah. You need to be there because you need to understand what we're teaching them. And you need to be there to support them. Yeah. What a great opportunity to just watch how they learn, how yeah. they engage, how they behave in a, in a learning yeah. environment. And I'd sort of go, if, if, if that's not of any interest to you, I, I, we're back, you know, we, we're, we're looping back on some of our earlier topics. Is are you sure sales leadership's for you? 100%. Because the sales leaders I know who are really passionate about people want to be there. Not only do they want to be there, they make sure it's a priority that they're, that they're there. It is not optional. It's it and 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 they recognize the value of of just being with their people in a learning environment for even even if it's half a day. Right, the fact that that that's illuminating, yeah. and we get to see things and hear things. Um, look, the one the one pushback you'll get is that um, is it as uh, the Hawthorne effect. Now, I always thought the Hawthorne effect is if you if you have Jared Roughhead and <laughs> Franklin in the same team, you trade Lance Frank, Franklin to Sydney. That's that the Hawthorne effect is That's a different the, Hawthorne effect. Yeah, different one. Is that the observer has a material impact on what's being observed? Yes. So some sales leaders will go, I think if I'm there, they'll behave differently. Yeah. And I go, I'll 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 live with that. Because after a while they'll forget you're there. Absolutely. And maybe we need they need to get used to you being in training and be get used to being in sales meetings with them. Yeah. And get used to giving, uh, giving and receiving feedback, and and let's start with let's start with what we're doing with you. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So James, hey, um, phenomenal conversation. Really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, for people uh, who are listening to this, who are intrigued by Prime and want to get involved, what's what's the best way to go about doing that? What's What's the link? How do we how do we get in contact with the great JC? Well, <laughs> well you can just go to the, the website. It's uh, jcwhiteandcompany.com. Uh, now, a lot of people will want to put an R in the word white. It's like the Isle of White. So jcwhiteandcompany.com. There's a link if you want to uh, click on Prime and then they can make contact. Um, so uh, they can then engage in doing the survey the initial uh, uh, debrief and and whatever follows from that. And um, uh, 
you know, get calls pretty re pretty regularly now from from sales managers going, this is a perfect thing for us to do right now as we move into the new uh, the new calendar year. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's because we're we're building our sales plan for 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 next quarter or for next uh, next the next half year, and we really want to invest in in our sales leaders, and 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 sometimes it's just like, uh, let's just do it now <laughs> because yeah. we haven't got we, we what what's the what is it tomorrow is the first day of the rest of your life it's like let's just start now so people want to make contact uh we'd love we'd love to hear from them cool excellent uh and as we as we wrap up any final words of wisdom so if there's a sales leader here listening to this sort of sitting on the fence thinking oh, i'm not quite sure what's what's the the key message that you'd like to leave the listeners with oh the key the key one for me is uh that understanding your people uh, you can source information from a range of places and uh, but most people will will understand the performance of their sales team through through the sales figures and I've even heard you on your on your podcast talk about this obsession with results mm. so I'm probably just echo echoing something that you've shared before but I, I'm all about inputs you know, get the inputs right, the results will take care of themselves. And you probably even use that that line or something similar. Yeah. So uh, a focus on how they spend their time, the capability they have and the mindsets they bring to it. Yeah. I go, well, if that's true of the salesperson, that must also be true of the sales leader. You want to get a better result from your sales team. What are your inputs? Mm. So what are your activities? What are your capabilities? And what are your mindsets? What Prime's designed to do is to help you get a better understanding of where you are so yep. you can think about where what you need to do differently in the next 12 months to get a different result. And so uh, if people can find another way to do that, they really should. But if they can't, they should call me. That's right. <laughs> and if nothing else, you'll have a good conversation with them and maybe just maybe yeah, they'll have a conversation about... Uh... Uh, Melbourne Footy Club, maybe footy, maybe oh, even uh, wine, because we haven't included uh, yeah, wine. Yeah, we, we haven't touched on 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 wine or art or uh, or seventies pop music, but oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> that, that might have to <laughs> be a for another day, uh, a different podcast. JC, I I think so. Darren, lovely talking to you. Great to be online, and uh, thank you so much. No worries, mate. I'll make sure that the uh, the information is in the show notes. So, um, greatly that's appreciate it. you spending the time, mate. All the best. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.